Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up! Podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, my partner in crime. You know him. You love him. He's fresh off a day off from the podcasting duties. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, how are you doing tonight, brother? Doing pretty well, Chad. I saw that you co-hosted an episode with Nick last night and uh, keeping in the family with the huddle up and uh, TV. It was interesting, but I'm happy to be back and uh, talk more Broncos football. It's exciting. A little slow for us, uh, you know, traffic-wise, content-wise, but, you know, ready to grind out more. There was a few interesting things that I'm really excited to get your thoughts on that broke on uh, on Wednesday, Tuesday and Wednesday. So we'll we'll get to those, and especially something that I thought was really interesting that Drew Locke had to say. In retrospect, kind of broke his silence about <clears throat> Joe Flacco's famous, you know, it's not my, I should say, infamous to use your verbiage. It's not my job quote, you know, in terms of mentoring Drew Locke right after the draft. And we're going to get to that here in just a second, guys. I just want to really quickly welcome our awesome listeners who've been hanging out in the room. What's going on? There's Buona Beast, David, Bronco, Batman, Charlie. What's going on, y'all? Brian. Uh, let's see who else is with us. Big E is in the house. Glenn, it's good to see you, my friend. What up, welcome what up? in, everybody. It's good to have you. Yep. Hope you're doing well. As well, Glenn, a couple of quick matters of business, guys, and then we'll dive right into tonight's main topics. 
Make sure you're following the podcast on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. That's how you keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. And while you're at it, you want to make sure you're also following the main account at Mile High Huddle. You're always able to see Zach's handle on screen, my handle, pretty easy to find. And then if you're in a position, guys, just a gentle reminder to guys and gals, I should say, check out huddleuppod.com, our merch store, get your swag on, get yourself one of these football priest hats, get yourself a Huddle Up Podcast t-shirt, a mug. You can see a lot of the stuff in the background behind me, the mask, which by the way, Zach, I saw that your mask has shipped. It's on the way. Have you received it yet? Not yet. I think it's going to be here tomorrow or by the weekend, but finally it's about, you know, it's three weeks after the fact. So I, I'm right there with you guys who've ordered one. They're starting to get turned around more now faster. Yeah. I think things are normalizing out in, in our third party distribution channel. So if you guys are placing order, hang in there. They're getting out now a little faster. That was definitely one thing I noticed is that they've really turned around the mask orders in particular, just everything yeah. on the, on the shipping side seems to be, finally kind of unfolding and the the floodgates are opening up. So for now, we still want to let you know, it's probably a bit of a delay. If you put in an order for a shirt or a hat or a mask or a mug, a little bit longer delay than usual, but it's still going to get to you. It's still going to get to you. It's a, it's a easy, simple way to support what we're doing here at mile high huddle. And then also guys, if you're not in a position to do anything like that and go to the merch store, patronize the merch store, it's all good. Subscribe if you're on YouTube, like this video wherever you're watching, whether it's YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, what's the other one? Twitch, right. <laughs> it's a simple organic way to support what we're doing, and it really helps us in the struggle against the algorithm on all these different social media streaming platforms. And if you really love what we're doing, share it out. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. <laughs> Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. All right, Zach, I want to get your thoughts on what Drew Locke had to say about Joe Flacco's infamous comment. And in fairness, Zach, this is something that you and I have joked about more times than I could ever remember, both privately and on the podcast, what Joe Flacco said. And before I actually get to Locke's quote, Zach, I think it would be appropriate to first read and take our, our listeners back 
to what Flacco actually said. And that is first and foremost, okay, really quick, just a quick detour. When asked immediately following the draft, there was rookie minicamp, and then I, I want to say a mandatory minicamp. Either way, the first opportunity we got to talk to Joe Flacco after the draft, he was asked, uh, you know, basically, hey, you're going to take this Drew Locke kid under your wing? What, what are you going to do there? You're going to be the mentor. Here's what he said, quote, you have to be careful with how you answer that. But I think that is, like I said, it's kind of Rich Scangarello's job. Listen, I have so many things to worry about. I'm trying to go out there and play good football. I'm trying to go out there and play the best football of my life. As far as a time constraint and all of that stuff, I'm not worried about developing guys or any of that. That is what it is. I hope he does it well. I don't look at that as my job. My job is to go win football games for this football team. Close quote. Fast forward to today, Zach. Well, this week, Locke appears on the Zapped podcast, uh, which is uh, hosted by, what's the fellow's name? Uh, Bob Menery or Menery, however you pronounce that. And he was asked about that quote and just, you know, Joe Flacco, did he help you out? What was it like working with Flacco? And I'm just going to read you this first quote. We'll talk about it. And then I want to read you the second remark. Here's what Locke told um, Maneri. quote, everyone talked about the quote. People were asking him that question and he gave what a winning quarterback would say. His job is to win games. It's not to help a young guy. And of course the media blew that up and they talked about it for multiple weeks. But at the same time, if you're in his shoes and you say, yeah, my job is to go get a young guy ready and not to mention winning football games, that's a bad look. Like, all right, this year is down the drain. We're just getting this young guy ready. So I think from my perspective, I knew where he was coming from, close quote. So, Zach, as I was writing up the piece, just kind of analyzing this myself, the one thing that jumped out to me is that it really tells you a lot about how the way that Locke interpreted that actually tells you a lot about his maturity as, as a quarterback, which is, you know, especially for a young guy as a rookie and even now just going into his second year is – Maybe not quite extraordinary, but it is unique. He didn't look for the negative. He didn't seek out the hole in the boat or take it as a, a shot across the bow. He almost seemed to kind of put himself in, in Flacco's shoes and kind of empathize. But what was your uh, – empathize, I should say. What was your reaction to what Locke had to say? I mean, I think you're right in the sense that it shows his maturity and that he's kind of wise beyond his years. But what else is Locke going to say? I, I mean, this is still a young guy. He's unproven. He wants to get in the Broncos' good graces and and pretty much the NFL's good graces and position himself like a franchise quarterback. But to me, with Flacco off the team now, it's water under the bridge or water under the statue, as the case may be with Flacco. I, I just don't expect Locke to say anything else. It might not have been a job for for Joe Flacco per se to to develop Drew Locke or bring him along, but that every great quarterback does that with no hesitation. Brady did it in New England with Matt Castle, Jared Stidham. Now, uh, you know, before he got he left, and then he did it with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. He didn't have a problem with it. He didn't like it, but he didn't come out outwardly and say it's not my responsibility. It comes with the territory. If you want to be a franchise understood quarterback. You have to do that job. You have to train your underlings, and you have to kind of bring them along for the best interest of the team. Flacco didn't have the best interest of the Broncos in mind. It was the best interest of Joe Flacco. He wanted to get his career back on the right track. He wanted to be the understood quarterback. He wanted to be the no-doubt quarterback. Didn't work out that way. I just don't see Locke saying anything else. Not trying to make this a Flacco rant right now. It shows his maturity. It's the right thing to say. But would he have said those things if Flacco was still on the team today? I don't know. I'm with you in that 
you don't know how much of this is lip service and and Drew Locke that that first quote anyway is is Drew Locke just being you know a smart PR guy and knowing that this isn't the time to drop any kind of a facade and just you know kind of toe the company line. But I I honestly felt like there was some truth to that at least in the sense that the way he interpreted it part partially. Now he still might have taken it on some level as kind of a you know uh, territorial pissing of sorts, right? But I do think he did kind of understand it. He he wrapped his head around when yeah maybe maybe I I could put myself in in those shoes that Flacco's in right now. Here's the second thing though when it when it came to the dynamic that existed between Joe and Locke and what Joe did to help Locke toward the end of his time on IR. That's Locke's time on IR right before his first start. Here's what he said: "Quote, but Joe was great to me in the quarterback room." Whenever I needed anything, he was always there to answer that question, especially when I made my first start. He instilled some confidence in me before that game. He was just like, just go do you. Go do what you do best, and you're going to win this football. I really appreciate him saying that to me. You Now, here's where it kind of gets gushy. You idolize that guy. He won a Super Bowl. He comes in. He throws it like no one I've ever seen. He's got an absolute cannon. So I thought he was the man. And for him to say that to me, I appreciated it. Closed quote your thoughts Zach it's the most apathetic advice out there the most ambiguous advice go do you go be you that doesn't help anything out that's the most generic advice possible and Locke is praising Flacco for answering a question in the quarterback room that's what I'm saying I I mean literally Flacco did the bare minimum and at times even less than that and the second part of that quote chat about being one of the best to ever do it and he throws such a good ball it's lip service, to use your your fr- phrase there. It, it absolutely is. Locke is a good guy. He's a consummate professional. He's wise beyond his years, but that is nothing but fluff material from a young quarterback. I do think that any young quarterback who comes into the orbit of another veteran who's won a Super Bowl, I do think that they kind of exist on a different emotional level you know, kind of in their mind's eye, they, they look up to him and think, you know, that's the pinnacle. This guy's been to the pinnacle. And even in the case of Joe Flacco, you know, dialing it back to 2019, he was seven years removed from that pinnacle. But nevertheless, I think a lot of young quarterbacks do look up to a, a guy, even one as kind of bland as Joe Flacco is. And, you know, that's the thing. He does have an arm. Flacco has an arm. We saw it. But how much did that arm, you know, I – reminded of this going through some of the quotes from that era from the initial you know let's say the first couple months Flacco was in Denver and being exposed to local media so many of the quotes were about hey man you you know you're known for having the big arm do you notice the balls going farther in this thin air and all this it was all great to have the arm and whatnot but Zach how much did it actually help him when it in the wash it never came out in the wash right he the Broncos limped out to an 0-4 start not to say that it was all Flacco's fault it wasn't but he was a big reason why that team failed to launch by the time he hurt his neck and the Broncos put the kibosh on the Flacco era, they were at two and six. Right. And this just, you know, it just was, uh, it didn't shake out to be what the front office and the coaching staff envisioned as a solution, even a short term solution, Joe Flacco, while Locke got up to speed. And of course, Locke hurting his thumb in, in uh, the third preseason game didn't help matters, but it was only a few, few weeks later, Locke gets his debut and, and the rest is history. 
you know, I, I see the comments pouring in, and we still have some Flacco apologists. Sorry about that, that one again. Yeah, I, I see Jody saying Flacco is not paid to mentor. Flacco was paid to win football games. He went two and six. He didn't mentor. He didn't. He wasn't a good backup. He wasn't a good friend to Drew Locke. He couldn't care less about Locke taking over. It's not bitterness. It's not resentment. I've put that behind me now. It's the Drew Locke era. Flacco's gone. But we have to be realistic now and say what he was to this team, which was nothing. He made them worse. He didn't make them better. And he'll do the same thing he did in Denver. Denver in New York now under Sam Darnold. Really quick here, <clears throat> Lee Rice saying, uh, letting us know, hey guys, what's up? I received my Mile High Huddle shirt and face mask today. Thanks. Greatly appreciated. That's cool, Leroy. Make sure you reach out, DM me on Facebook or on Twitter and add us whatever, a selfie. We want to see it. We want to we want to vault it, show you some love and uh, shout you out on social media. Really quick here. Let's grab this awesome super chat from Zeus McPeak, uh, McPeak in the house. From the heavens. Way up high. Way up high. Thank you, Stu. MHH Mount Rushmore. Appreciate you, Stu. You know we do. Awesome. So consistent. And just the passion is there from, from Zeus himself. Appreciate you, my friend. Um, Charlie wants to know, since the Jets signed Flacco, do we get a salary cap break? No. The, the salary cap impact that the Broncos continue to feel from Flacco Unfortunately, that doesn't change no matter who he signs with because it's not monies that is owed Flacco. It's money that they paid him in the form of a signing bonus that they then deferred on the salary cap over multiple years. So Flacco's already got his money. The Broncos, basically what they did last year, Zach, right on the doorstep of the season, they didn't even have to do it. I don't know why they did it, but they decided to put his, his whatever it was, 19, 20 million something salary on a credit card. And say, we're going to make payments over the next three years instead of just pulling it out of the checking account and making the payment. They're basically, that's kind of a, you know, it's kind of an analogy way to look at it. You know, putting on my tinfoil hat, what just occurred to me was maybe that's the reason or partly the reason that Mike Sullivan's gone, Chad. That had to have been his doing or he had to sign off on that kind of move, which, like you just said, made no sense at the time. After the season, they they part ways with their longtime cap guy. I don't know. It, it might be a theory. I might be totally wrong on that, but they did not need to do with Joe Flacco's salary what they did. But we can all agree it's a good thing he's gone. It's a good thing. It's history. It's in the past now. And we're rolling with Drew Locke as our young quarterback. Amen to that really quick. John, jumping in. Really appreciate you, my friend. There he is. Thank you, John. Super. As always, he can't even hang out in the chat, but he pops in, leaves a super, and he's going to listen later. He says, can't stay due to work, but wanted to show some love. Remember to smash the like button, MHH fam, hashtag state of being. Appreciate you, Johnny baby. You the man. Let's see what else we got here really quick, and then there's a couple other topics I wanted to get to. Um, here's Brian's comment. My job is not to mentor <laughs> Drew Locke. My job is to stay in the pocket for 10 seconds and be a tackling dummy. Pretty much. I mean, look, not to make excuses for Garrett Bowles and Elijah Wilkinson, who were tasked with blocking for Flacco for the majority of those eight games, but, man, he was – Deaf, blind, and dumb in that pocket. And it doesn't help that he was, you know, what was it, his 11th season? want to say might have been his 12th year. Actually, I think it was his 12th year. And he was getting older and not – I mean, Flacco was never super mobile in the pocket, but he was yeah. mobile enough. Like, think Jeez. back to think, – think back, Zach, to the AFC uh, divisional game in which they the Ravens rolled in and upset the Broncos at home in 2012. Was he Patrick Mahomes? No. Was he Lamar Jackson breaking the pocket? No. But he had just enough perception of the pocket and the pressure and just enough athleticism to 
wiggle around, move, get out, and buy enough time to do what he had to do to get those get that W. So, yeah, but but by the time you get to 2019, I don't know what it is, but it was gone. I have never seen, I'm sorry, Chad, a, a, a less mobile quarterback than Joe Flacco in the pocket. When he decided to run the rare times that he did outside the pocket, it looked like a baby deer running on freshly waxed linoleum. <laughs> it was really painful to watch my two eyes, my brain to process what I'm seeing with Joe Flacco running. I'm not going to pile on anymore. I want to just put that out there. It was pretty awful to have to grin and bear for eight weeks. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. <laughs> Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Buana, put that put that that uh, comment back on if you find it. Yeah. John here. The way Flacco played it, it's probably better that he didn't take Locke under his wing. Yeah, you sure. don't want any of those bad habits, right, to, to uh, trickle down to Locke. Geo jumping in with a very generous super. Thank you, George. So uh, consistent, one of our bona fide superstars and an MHH Mount Rushmore member up there. We really appreciate you, George, and it was good to connect with you on Facebook today, my friend. Um, <laughs> all right, let's That's see. Funny. That's just a funny comment. <laughs> That's pretty sad, That's too. That's saying something, right? Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, Peyton Manning, remember the one uh, the AFC rollout. title game, 2015, he, he, he breaks the pocket and picks up like eight yards which was, it felt like the same kind of triumphant, <laughs> um, the triumph. No, it was like 12 yard pickup, moved the sticks on third down. And it almost felt like the same kind of triumphant gravity of Elway's helicopter in the Super Bowl, just because he had, he had failed to do the exact same thing the year prior in the playoffs against the Colts and took a lot of flack for it. And, uh, you know, the Broncos got over the hump the next year and got to the Super Bowl and won it. So very, very fun to remember some of these times. But yeah, Flacco's in the rear view. And as, as Zach, Thank as God. you said, man, 
it'll be interesting to see how he influences what happens in New York. But if you're Sam Darnold, just don't expect much more than, hey, go do you today, buddy. <laughs> yeah, really. No worst advice ever. Catch you on the flip. All right, let me see what else we got here. Jeff C. in the house. Appreciate you, you, my friend. Jumping in, one of our superstars. Whenever he's in the stream, he's showing some love, and we appreciate you, Jeff. He says, Drew Locke has real down-to-earth attitude. He is genuine and doesn't come off as stuck up. If he balls out this year, Broncos fans have a lot to be excited yeah. about. And I do think that's true. Like, I'm a lot more inclined to, to interpret Locke's remarks on Flacco today that we just talked about as more sincere than anything. Like, I really don't yeah. think he has a negative viewpoint on Joe Flacco. Maybe not a, you know, amorous one. Maybe there's not a, a lot of uh, relationship to talk about between those two, but I think he at least has a positive viewpoint on Joe Flacco, Zach. Yeah, you know, if anything, he came off mature, he came off humble, and, and that's that's genuine, it's sincere. He wasn't just saying that because it was good PR. I'm sure he has a good people handler and good handlers and good people behind him, but it wasn't disingenuous. I thought what Locke said was was pretty mature and, and pretty commendable, but take it for what it's worth, which right now on May twenty seventh, it, it's not a lot. As Christy says here, a quarterback should be a natural mentor. That's what yes. you envision in a good franchise guy. Exactly. Amen. Simple as that. Derek Green jumping in with a $5 super. Really appreciate you, Derek. you, Derek. He says, glad to be able to watch live again. You guys are the best. Just showing love to you guys and the chat. Denver Broncos for life. Appreciate that, Derek. Thank you. All right, let me see here. We'll, uh, I know there are a few other chats here that we want to get to, but I also wanted to see, Zach, if you had a chance to see um, what football outsiders had to say again. Guys, at this, t- at this point in the offseason, whether it's a s- particularly slow one because of what's been happening this year or even a traditional offseason, by the time you get to late May, you from here until training camp starts in late July, you're really entering the dog days of the offseason. And there's almost no news to really analyze. Like even this thing with Drew Locke today, it's more of an aggregation. It's more of Oh, he appeared on a podcast. Here's what he said. Let's analyze it. It's not necessarily anything happening in the fi- out on the field or on the practice field. Nothing's taking place. So we really have to kind of rely on what's what people are saying about the Broncos, looking around the internet, getting creative. And one of those avenues of getting creative came by way of Football Outsiders, which is one of the top two, I would say, advanced analytics sites when it comes to football on the internet, there's football outsiders, there's pro football focus. There's a few other ones. PFF obviously is, is the most known one, but football outsiders published uh, an article where they're basically going all 32 teams. And here is basically the biggest remaining need. And here's what the, what football outsiders said about the Denver Broncos biggest need. They said it's the backup quarterback, not cornerback, not offensive tackle. Their biggest need is Quarterback, backup quarterback, that is. Here's what they said real quick, Zach. Quote, the Broncos had a terrific draft, running out of it with Jerry Judy, K.J. Hamler, and exactly zero excuses for Drew Locke to not play well in 2020. Locke finished the 2019 season with a 2.2% DVOA. That's an advanced analytics metric, unique to uh, football outsiders. And in theory, these new weapons should unlock the deep passing game that is his strong suit. However, the Broncos still have no real backup of acclaim. No Case Keenum, no Joe Flacco. They're rolling with Jeff Driscoll. 
Locke's rookie season showed some promise, but his Q base 2019 compared him to Brady Quint. Given how strong the rest of the roster looks after a strong draft and the trades for A.J. Bouye and Jarrell Casey, you could argue that there's not a player in the league that could make more of a difference between contention and flopping than Locke without a real backup plan in 2020. Close quote. Now that's from Football Outsiders. Last thing here, Zach, and then I want to serve this over to you. Here's what Elway said about is, you know, it's, it's a very different quarterback room compared to last year. Flacco's gone. Brandon Allen's gone. Basically, all the experience that the room had is gone. Drew Locke, five starts. Jeff Driscoll, eight career starts, only three more as the veteran fell safe. Here's what, what Elway said about Driscoll following the draft. Everything was done. Here's what he said. Quote, we feel like Locke's that guy. Jeff Driscoll came in. He's going to be the backup. He's coming into camp as the backup. He's got some playing time until he got hurt last year in Detroit. There are some quarterbacks that are still available, but we decided that we're going to build around Drew and give him that opportunity to take the job. Close quote from Elway. So reading between the lines, Zach, and getting back to what Football Outsiders had to say, it sounds like the Broncos are basically willing to roll the dice on not having the biggest name as the backup so as not to really pose any threat to Locke standing as the guy. They, they're rolling the dice in that sense. Which is exactly what I called for and wanted. I don't want a Case Keenum. And by the way, they mentioned Keenum and Flacco like they'd be good backups anyway. There's a reason why both are not starters anymore in the NFL. So I don't want a Keenum or a Flacco. Jeff Driscoll is good enough for this team. He's mobile enough. He's young enough. He's experienced enough. He's not going to take away headlines. He's not going to take away reps or, or anything from Drew Locke. It is his football team. And the Broncos positioned it that way intentionally. So I like what the Broncos did. I'm not sweating J- Driscoll as your backup. Because if Drew Locke goes down, the season's over anyway. If you have Case Keenum behind Drew Locke, Case Keenum is not going to save your season. That's why backup quarterbacks are backup quarterbacks. Locke is the make or break regardless of who's behind him for the Broncos in 2020. All right. Let's – I'm not that worried about it myself. Did I grab that one? Uh, Stu's saying, having my dad – this is Stu Primakoff, not Zeus McPeak just for those listening on, uh, on a, as a podcast after the fact. Having my dad order me the mug for my birthday on June 11th, so happy to support the pod. Really appreciate that, Stu, and Thank happy you. birthday here in a couple weeks' time. Also, what are your guys' expectations for the injury bug this year? Will it be another indictment on Lauren Landau? Hmm. Interesting question. I would say that you and I have probably been two of the most yeah. critical people in media, in Denver media anyway, on Lauren Landau, how much is that of that of our criticism is fair? I think there's a, a, a an argument there that people could come at us on, and I it'd, it'd be great to to have that argument. However, if you look at his predecessor, Luke Richardson, there were a few injuries over the years that he was in Denver, but not the rash of especially lower body injuries that right. have occurred since Landau kind of took over, which it really is ironic because Landau is a very accomplished and experienced and renowned uh, strength and conditioning guy like all the before he became the guy in Denver he was the Broncos were about to hire him to be the guy when they hired Luke Richardson but they ended up going with Richardson after an interview put him on the back burner because all the Broncos would go to him in the offseason to work out with Landau so his question Stu's question about you know what's the injury expectation there's no way to know Obviously, sitting here in you know end of May, we don't really know Zach, but all we can do is kind of cross our fingers and hope that the Broncos catch a little bit of break from 
from the injury bug, but it's football. I mean, there's going to be collisions. There's going to be injuries. It's going to happen. And that's exactly why Landau or his detractors can't prove or disprove that he's the problem. I, I mean, if, if you look at it, the rash of lower body injuries, which is a classic telltale sign of overtraining certain players, just because he was a good strength and conditioning coach doesn't mean he's a good NFL strength and conditioning coach. So he might have been popular in Denver with some of the players, but obviously since he took over, there's been injury after injury after injury after injury. It's not just coincidence. I'm not blaming him entirely. They're part of the game. But since he took over, Chad, it's documented. We used to talk about it all the time last season. It's documented. Injury after injury. So I'm tending to think that it's him more so than just crappy luck. Something about the system, something about the the philosophy. I don't know exactly what it is. We're not on the inner sanctum. No media is on the inner sanctum of what's happening with uh, NFL teams' strength and positioning um, protocols. That's closely guarded information, but hopefully they've learned from recent past there and they can they can kind of weather the storm a little bit better in 2020. Yeah. One of our Super Chat superstars, Dylan, jumping in with a $2 Super to Thank say, you, appreciate you, Dylan. Loved Drew Locke talking about smack talking on the field. Now, in that very same podcast, what Dylan's referencing on uh, – what was it called again? I forgot the name of it. Bear with me. I want to give him credit. So you Zapped. guys know how to find it. Zapped podcast. Thank you. Um, Lahawk talked about, in particular, the Houston game. He couldn't remember, if I'm if I'm remembering it correctly, he couldn't quite remember the name of a guy that was really chirping, in, chirping at him. But, of course, he was having a big game, right? Over 300 yards, three touchdowns. First quarterback, rookie quarterback in NFL history to go for over 300 and three TDs in his first road start. And Locke talked about how, you know, he was he was talking a little smack that game too because he was kind of feeling his oats. He was feeling his power. And one of the guys said something to him. This is me paraphrasing to the effect of, you better watch your mouth, kid. You know, the, the rise and fall in the NFL can happen quickly. And he's like, look, I'm just having a good time out here enjoying myself. You better get used to it. This is just the way I am. So I concur with you, Dylan. It was cool to hear that. And for those of you who haven't checked out that podcast episode of the Zapped Podcast, go check it out. It's worth a listen. To me, the best quarterbacks talk trash, though, Chad. You know, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, I mean, Phillip Rivers. Phillip Rivers, exactly. But look at Peyton Manning on the golf course in the match. He was talking smack nonstop to Tom Brady the entire match. And the best quarterbacks balance that cocky, alpha, jokey personality with humility and the dedication to be great. I don't want some beta, good old boy like Trevor Simeon or Brock Osweiler. I want kind of an a-hole like Drew Locke who can back up his talk and his rapping on the sideline with his arm. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. 
the Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Amen. Christy jumping in with a very generous super. You know we appreciate you, Christy. Thank you, Christy. The queen of MHH says... Joe Flacco was never super nothing. Can't wait. Was never super nothing. Wait, am I misinterpreting that, Zach? I might have botched it. She says, can't wait for my face mask, guy, face mask, guys. Thank you. Yeah, it should be there. I didn't check the tracking, but as you know, we got you the tracking. It's on the way, and you should get it really soon. Yeah, Flacco was never. He never super in Denver, that's for sure. And even that one year that he managed to capture lightning in a bottle and the, and the Ravens went all the way, that defense – the last stand of Ray Lewis and Ed Reed. I mean, it was phenomenal. His next best season, I want to say, was the 2014 year in which Kube was his offensive coordinator, Gary Kubiak. That was his best statistical season, but there was a reason why he still has never been to one Pro Bowl, Zach. Is, is, is it so far off for me to say that Flacco was this generation's Brad Johnson, the old Bucks quarterback who rode a good defense to a championship. Not, I'm not saying the Ravens' defense was the Bucks' defense of years past, but Flacco, he kind of backed into. He had a good post postseason that year, but he kind of backed into that Super Bowl, and they were one errant Colin Kaepernick pass away from losing that game. So I don't know if he was ever that great. I think he won on the strength of his team, the coaches being the sum of all their parts. I'm, I'm not lauding him for that Super Bowl chat. Maybe it's just bias. I don't know. The one thing I'll say about him, like not to make this just a crap on Flacco podcast, like the one thing I'll give to him is he has a lot of playoff production, and he's one of the very few quarterbacks to have vanquished not just Brady and, and Peyton in the playoffs, but Brady and Peyton in their own house in the playoffs, which I think he's the only quarterback on the face of the planet that can say that. So he's a very uh, – you know, he's got his – little section of Ravens history. I think you can argue he's the, he's the greatest quarterback in the history of the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson will probably eventually surpass that, but it's not what nothing. He won what a Super Bowl. And, and if he's won, what if Raheem Moore doesn't allow that touchdown, Chad? What is Flacco then? What is his legacy then? I know you can't play the what-if game and take things away, but I just don't think he was all that remarkable, even in his prime. David Kilgore, one of our Super Chat superstars, jumping in with the $20 Super. Appreciate you, David. Thank you, David. Also, I hope you know, I think you could, hopefully you got my email with your tracking number. Your stuff has shipped as well, my friend. He says, are the Broncos getting new uniforms? I saw an article on Facebook that they're going to more of an old school vibe with the D. So think color rush. You know, I haven't seen that yet. I haven't heard that. I haven't been on Facebook today much, to be honest with you, though. So I'm not aware of that, guys. If you're hearing something official, let us know because I haven't heard anything on that front. Zach, have you? 
No, and I know they do that a couple times a year. They'll have the all blues or they have the uh, the orange crush uniforms, the orange on orange, but that's usually for special games, Thursday night games, primetime games. I haven't heard of a permanent uniform change. I'd be surprised if Denver did that. I think it would be cool to go back to, you know, the powder blue helmet with the D. Um, I don't love that. I, I mean, I listen, listen, that's, it's like saying, you know, which of my kids do I, I like the least, you know, it's hard to, to come up with lists in that way. Cause if you're, if you're a admirer of the Denver Broncos, you like all their different uniforms, you know, even the ugly yellow and Brown ones with the vertical stripes on the socks. Um, but I think it's when they went with their, color rush decision to go with more of the darker current blue with the, D, the old school D on the helmet. Love I'm, not that so helmet. Huge, I'm not so huge on the Jersey coloration and stuff, but the, that helmet I think would be cool to yeah. transition to as a full-time logo, but I don't think that's happening anytime in the near future. Here's something William has to say. I remember when Jay Cutler got off to a hot start and then he started to brag about how he was better than Elway. And then he went on a losing streak. Drew seems to be more mature. So two points there. And thank you, William. Very good comment. Drew does seem to be significantly more poised and mature and just smart about his business than Jay Cutler was. But one thing I'll say in defense of Jay Cutler is his entire career and the momentum of his career was completely altered by that fateful decision to fire Shanahan and replace him with Josh McDaniels, who then promptly turned around and traded him to Chicago. That just changed the game for for Cutler and at a critical point in his development as a quarterback because let me remind you, his 2006 rookie season where he supplanted Jay Cutler down the stretch and the Broncos, despite leading the AFC West when Cutler took over, ended up backing out and losing and not even making the playoffs, lost the AFC West, didn't make the playoffs. Darren Williams lost his life on that uh, – the final game of the season that night, you know, when they went out clubbing the next year, sorry, I got to go on this little, this little tangent. The next year, the Broncos went seven and nine in 2007 with Cutler, but that was the year when he was sick. They didn't know what was wrong with him. He lost a ton of weight. He had no energy. His mental focus was screwed up. They figured out after that season, finally, you know, that he had some kind of a, uh, what is it? Diabetes. That's right. Diabetes. And then once they treated him and figured out what was going on there, he got his weight back, got his energy back, his focus. Then what happened? 2008, Pro Bowl season. The Broncos, similarly to 2006, they're out in front. They're doing well in the AFC West. The final three games they lose, miss the playoffs. That's what sparked Shanahan getting fired. But Jay Cutler made the Pro Bowl that year, and it looked like the the sky was the limit for Cutler in Denver. Then what happened with with Josh McDaniels? So I'm always going to wonder what could have been for Jay right. Cutler in Denver, even if it's not so much had Shanahan not been fired, but if it was anyone other than Josh McDaniels. Yeah, that's a good point, Chad. Say what you want about Jay Cutler. I mean, he was kind of a, a not-so-nice person. He was kind of hard to be around and kind of hard to, to work with, but he was a really good quarterback, I feel like, who could have been great if he was put in better situations. He got kind of a raw deal throughout his stops in the NFL. In Denver, like you mentioned, he had a great year. He had the big arm. He was the face of the franchise. It just didn't work out. But I feel like if you put Jay Cutler on this Broncos team right now with the coaching they have, the defense they have, and the weapons they have, they would win a lot of games. He also deserves a lot of credit for salvaging Brandon Marshall, the receiver's young career initially. like He really helped Brandon Marshall develop as a young receiver in this league. They had a phenomenal rapport and relationship and 
you know, that kind of changed when Cutler got shipped off and, and Marshall had to kind of go through his ups and downs. He's one of the most prolific receivers of his era is Marshall, but still Cutler deserves a little credit for that particular situation as well. Let me check here really quick. I noticed that it did a jump. We got a grab here. Vaughn, unless you can grab Larry Vaughn, I'm going to do it. Uh, I'm going to reverse engineer it because my stream jumped. There he is, my man. Appreciate that, Larry. Thank you, Larry. Jumping in, $2 super. He says, Flacco had on <laughs> Nike Air cinder blocks. <laughs> Keep them coming, guys. One. I love it. That's a good one, my Where's friend. Where's Mark at? Yeah, where is Mark? <laughs> AP, Big Kev in the house as well in uh, Florida. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you, Kevin. He says, uh, Lieutenant Dan ran, ran better than Flacco. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was good. Uh, that was that good, was too. Yeah, thank you, guys. <laughs> Jay Bone in the hizzy here with a wow. $24 super. Yes. Appreciate you, Justin. Thank you, Justin. Got a way in here. Not paid to mentor is total bull. It is a team sport. You don't have to step up and run a clinic like Vaughn, Dio. but you need to be willing to help your brothers get better too. It's how you, quote, win yes. football games. Fair it's point. A team. It's a team sport. I mean, the quarterback is the leader of the team, so why wouldn't he want the players under him to be good as well? Flacco was only in it for Flacco last year. Nothing more, nothing less. Ben Roth jumping in. Really appreciate you, Ben, with Thank that you, ben. $5 super. One of our superstars here. He says, I've heard that Riley Reef, <clears throat> excuse me, and Nate Solder could be training camp casualties cuts. I hope waiting on signing a tackle works out. Great show, guys. Appreciate that. We've heard that also about Reef. I haven't heard that about Solar, but he is a vastly overpaid tackle for how yeah. well he's played the last couple of years in New York. So, And in his defense, he's had a lot going on in his personal life that, frankly, even if I'm a highly paid multi-million dollar um, professional athlete, if I was dealing with a child that had problems like his – Unfortunately, I don't know how focused I would be and how well I would be producing in my professional career. But, Zach, it does speak to why the Broncos need to kind of keep a little Evan Mathis money because even if they're not going to run out right now and sign a Jason Peters or a Kelvin Beecham or a Cordy Glenn, they got to keep open the possibility of potentially using that money on a tackle if they get to camp and Garrett Bowles doesn't look like he's taking this step and Juwan James, knock on wood, hopefully he stays healthy. Elijah Wilkinson coming off that foot. His foot's still in a boot right now. So we'll see how it shakes out. You know, the thing about Solder, though, he might be kind of, you know, mediocre in pass blocking, but he's central to Saquon Barkley's success in New York. So I'd be surprised if he was a training camp casualty. If he is, though, I'd pick him up in a second to be the swing guy. Riley Reef, he scares me if he ever has to start. He is Menelik Watson reincarnated. I, I wouldn't want that to be my starting tackle. But as a backup, is it better than Jake Rogers, better than Calvin Anderson, better than Elijah Wilkinson, who's not a tackle at all? Yes. So I don't really care who it is at this point, Chad, or what it will be like in July. They have to pick up a veteran tackle. It has to be. This is an interest. Oh, go ahead. You know, go ahead. Um, James jumping in saying, uh, if there's a sense that Riley Reef could be cut, I'd hope they'd go out and offer a trade to secure him before mm -hmm. he gets cut. A floor raising move that would be around through 20, the 2021 season. It's a fair point. If Munchak likes him, Question would be, you know, what's what's the compensation? And I right. don't have his contract pulled up right now, but I know it's a high free agent dollar because the, they signed him from from Detroit. It'd be you'd be paying a premium. We'll see. 
Why not just save the draft pick and sign Jason Peters, who's a better tackle, probably for less money than what Riley Reef's contract is uh, accounting for right now? No, I wouldn't trade any capital for Riley Reef. If he's cut, I would explore that. But, you know, Jason Peters, Cordy Glenn, Kelvin Beecham, they are all better tackles, in my opinion, than Riley Reef. Gary, jumping in with a $20 wow. super. Thank you, Gary. Really appreciate that. No That's question, awesome. no comment. Just showing some love for the channel and the podcast. We really appreciate you, Gary. You are really becoming one of our superstars here on Super Chat. So thank you, my friend. Uh, Kenneth Booker says on YouTube, out-of-the-box subject, but just think if Philip Lindsay was an MMA, he's a monster against 250- and 300-pounders. Just think of how he would do against people who weighed the same as him. Fair point. I'm not much of an MMA, MMA guy myself, Zach, but uh, he definitely has a heart a lot bigger than his diminutive 5'9", you know, 190 pounds. He plays like he's an Adonis, Chad. That's just his mentality, and that's why he's going to prove the Broncos and the fan base and Melvin Gordon himself that he deserves to be paid. He deserves to stick around. I, I literally and personally cannot wait to watch Philip Lindsay this year. He was already good with no chip on his shoulder or a small one. Now he has a massive one on both shoulders, and I can't wait to see how he responds to that, Chad. Fronty Pro on YouTube. What do y'all think of, of Rich Eisen leaving Drew Locke out of a poll he made today? on second-year quarterbacks taking that next step and instead had Jarrett Stidham. Well, I can understand why some people feel like maybe, you know, Stidham's getting slept on because you're going to have the Belichick effect. You're going to have, right. you know, McDaniels, for example, is a – well, we'll find out. But he – I think he's a – he's going to have to sink or swim now without Tom Brady, and we'll see what kind of an effect it has on Jarrett Stidham. But we know the coaching around Stidham, I guess my point is – is going to be as good as it gets. So maybe he is a guy that shouldn't be slept on and should be considered within the other names of second-year guys. But to me, the number one second-year guy, it's it's Locke, it's Kyler Murray. Those are the two guys yeah. I'm staring down the barrel of taking with the best the, – the, the most likelihood, I should say, of taking that second-year quantum leap. But I do understand the thought of putting Stidham in that conversation. I think, Chad, you and I were asked this question on Twitter as well, and I can't remember the four quarterbacks that were in the poll other than uh, Drew Locke, but Jared Stidham, to me, is such a low-ceiling quarterback. He, he's a check-down artist. There's a reason why. I didn't like him at, at Auburn. I didn't like him in college, Chad, so that's just personal. There's no quarterback in the NFL, including Kyler Murray. Maybe it's just because I'm a little loyal to the Broncos. I don't know. I would take Drew Locke over Kyler Murray. I like prototypical traditional quarterbacks. Kyler Murray being five foot two isn't a tr traditional prototypical quarterback. Drew Locke to me is. He has the size. He has the moxie. He has the arm. He has the will to win. I would take Drew Locke over any young quarterback in the league right now. Besides Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, realistically. Justin Ansel jumping in with a $5 super. It's good to see you, my Thank friend. You, he says, missed you guys. Good to be back with you. How much would uh, would have Locke learned from Flacco anyway? How many more moves could be seen? Thanks, guys. That's a fair point, kind of going back to, I can't remember now who said it earlier in the show, that you know maybe it's a good thing Flacco that Locke didn't learn much from Flacco because what did Flacco do? He, he limped out to a 2-6 and six record as a starting quarterback for the Denver Broncos. So I think that's a fair point. And at the end of the day, it's, it's all football serendipity, right? Things happen the way they happened. I think the way they were supposed to happen, Flacco, in order for Locke to get his opportunity, Flacco had to fall flat on his face. Imagine if the Broncos under Joe Flacco in 2019, let's say he stays healthy and he leads him to an eight and eight to 10 and six finish somewhere in that pocket. John Elway 
in 29 or 2020 January would be so tempted to just hold on for dear life, restock the defensive cupboards and hope that that they're that they remain one middle of the road quarterback away from, you know, repeating 2015 again. So it's almost good. The Broncos had to go through that kind of trial by fire as we've talked about a lot on this podcast, Zach. You know, they wandered the QB desert. They paid their dues, if you will. The football gods finally you know, sent him down some some quarterback mana from heaven, and and it seems to be Drew Lock now. Five games. This was something Nick Kendall and I talked about last night. Five games. You know, he's it's it's good to be excited about Lock, and I think everyone has a right and should be excited about Lock. But we can't crown him quite yet. He's got to get out there and build on what he did last year. Is this question presupposing Flacco as Locke's backup this season? Because it would it would do more harm than good. I wouldn't want Locke to pick up those mannerisms of Joe Flacco. I wouldn't want Locke to be around someone as miserable as Joe Flacco looked last year. He didn't bring any energy to the table. Flacco was an emotional vampire on the sideline. And I don't want my young, hotshot alpha quarterback being exposed to that day in and day out. So I'm happy Flacco's gone. Just his presence, you know, his being gone alone is addition by subtraction. That shot of Locke celebrating after McManus nails the kick to win week 13 to beat the Chargers. Locke gets his first victory in his first start. He's celebrating. We talk about it a lot. And Flacco, he's got his arms up. He leaves him hanging. And so he just pats him on the butt. Flacco walks by, and Locke continues to celebrate. I think that's probably a more accurate representation of really what the dynamic was between those two. And Locke on that on the Zap podcast is just – being the bigger man, being PR cognizant, being aware of what he says, tonality, messaging, all that stuff. Although I do think he understood what, what Flacco meant when he said, my job's to win, not teach. Higher you, learnings. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying, you don't have to be a mentor to, to high-five your teammate after a big play. You don't That's have true. to be a – you could just – it's being a good person. It's common courtesy. So the fact that Flacco wouldn't even do that said everything about him, Chad. I agree. Higher Learnings wants to know, question, if fans are let in stadiums only at 50 or maybe 30% capacity, do you think ticket prices will rise in accordance to supply Mm. and demand? So, you know, that's an economic law, of course, when it comes to capitalism, supply and demand. I think in this case, my own prediction on that would be, I think NFL teams would, would be absolutely crucified by trying to make fans who want to attend have to pay more because they're not allowing capacity to be what it could be. I don't think it would happen from a PR perspective, but you never put anything past the NFL. It's a $13 billion a year nut. I don't know what they're going to do, how they're going to divvy that up. I mean, there's personal seat licenses or season ticket holders to worry about. Do they get priority? Do they get precedent? It's a problem that every NFL team is going to face, and they're kind of going to, going to be governed by their own um, organization. It's like the the, the counties and the uh, the states here, Chad, with what the issue is going on. Every state is governing themselves right now, and I feel like that's how every team is going to be if there's limited capacity this season. Man, I just – I hope in some form or another fans get to attend. But I think it's going to come back again to a – competitive balance issue for the NFL. So if some states can only allow based on state strictures, 30% capacity, then all NFL teams are going to have to roll 30% capacity. Otherwise it's not fair. So we'll see how it shakes out. Terry jumping in from up in Canada with a $5 super. Thank you, Terry. Proving as always Broncos country is not a geographic location. It is a state of being appreciate you. My friend, he says um, King Hicks, this one's for all the positive vibes you give to the MHH family. 
hashtag state of being, hashtag Broncos world. Yeah, King Hicks, I don't know. King Hicks was talking about on the stream that he's having some problems um, trying to super. Don't worry about it, my friend. We're just glad to have you here. And as Terry said, um, we appreciate you and value you in the community. So just just do your thing in the in the chat, my friend. We're a family. Uh, we are. Amen. And Jeff jumping back in. Appreciate the super. Thank you, my, Jeff. My brother, he says, who has a better year? Bryce Callahan or Alexander – or no, probably A.J. Bouye. Is that what you're asking? Not uh, So Bryce Callahan or A.J. Bouye. What do you think, Zach? I mean, Bouye is the better cornerback. He can play the boundary. He can play inside. I, I just think his talent level is higher than Bryce Callahan, who's kind of pigeonholed as a slot cornerback. And Bouye is also healthy. That's the difference. Callahan, we don't know if he's healthy yet. So I, I believe both are going to contribute if Callahan is healthy and if he actually plays. But Boye has a much higher ceiling. He'll be a much more impactful player this season. You know, the one thing that Callahan has as kind of an ace up his sleeve is that even though he missed some time, his entire football career has been spent learning at the feet of Vic Fangio. Literally the entire time he's been in the NFL, Good point. Vic Fangio has been his his guy. I would assume that that will benefit him when he finally is able to put cleats on the grass. And the other silver lining when it comes to Callahan is that remember back Zach to this time last year when there were actually OTAs, he was balling like all of the buzz coming out of OTAs. Very little had to do with Flacco. Very little had to do with Locke. I mean, even though the storylines existed, it was all about Sutton versus Callahan and going at it. And Callahan was more than holding his own and winning a lot of those battles. And the observations were like, wow, Look at what this dude's doing. So it was unfortunate that he got his foot stepped on. What they found, though, in that surgery that he eventually had after the Broncos bit the bullet in, I want to say, early October and put him on IR, is that that screw from this procedure that he'd had the year prior in Chicago had broken off. So that has all been pulled out and replaced, and hopefully he's healed and it's all in the rear view. Fishing with Sandy and Don jumping in with a very generous super. Thank you. Uh, we don't recognize your name, so it's really cool to have you in the stream yeah. and hope you understand we really appreciate your donation. Thank you very much. They say, I see a lot of talk about Drew Locke taking a huge step forward this year. In my opinion, his biggest step will be year three. Drew hasn't had a chance to be in the same offense for more than a year since high school. What is your take? It's fair to say, I think, Zach, irregardless of his history in college and even high school, it's fair to wonder how much having to relearn a new system in only his second year is going to hold him back in terms of, you know, taking a step forward. What are your thoughts? I think it's actually going to aid him. I mean, the change and the constant turmoil, that's going to make Drew Locke a better player and and a better player to acclimate for how unpredictable the NFL is. And look at this offseason alone, Chad. I mean, literally a virtual offseason, no practices, no mini camps, and it's Locke's first season as a full-time starter. So all the the change he went through is only going to help him, and it gives him an advantage, and that's part of the reason why I'll take him over any young quarterback, Kyler Murray, wouldn't be able to adapt with all these changes. He would, it would be too big for him, but it's not big for, too big for Drew Locke, and that's a sign of a franchise quarterback. Well said. Well said. And the other thing that we can't sleep on is the fact that Pat Shermer and, and Mike Shula, they, I believe, are going to have a galvanizing and kind of an accelerating effect on Drew Locke. Now, it has to come out in the wash, but they have a very, call it a Midas touch for young quarterbacks. You saw it last year with Daniel Jones, who I'm telling you, outkicked his coverage. You're probably not going to see that same version of Daniel Jones, even the inconsistent rookie that he was, 
From a production standpoint, Zach, I'll be surprised if he ever comes close to 24 touchdowns in a season again. Now, hopefully I'm wrong because I want the kid to succeed. You know, he's he's got a really cool story coming out of Duke, getting picked sixth overall. I hope he succeeds. I just don't think he will without Shermer, without Shula. Right. I think they were the right combo for him, but unfortunately, Shermer just isn't a good head coach. He's a, he's a really good offensive coordinator. He's a good yeah. quarterbacks coach, but he wasn't a good head coach, and so Jones is going to have to learn how to hold his own. <clears throat> and King Hicks says, Terry, thank you so much, bro. Love this community and my MHH family. I do it for the culture. Amen, brother. Speaking of super chat superstars, we got Mike Evans jumping in. Really appreciate that, you, super Mike. Mike. Smash the like button. Do you see a midseason slump for Drew once defensive coordinators get enough film on him? I hope not. Well, we hope not too, but that's the ebb and flow of the NFL, Zach, is quarterbacks have to learn how to, once teams adjust to them, they have to learn how to counter adjust. And part of that, I think, has to do with how well the coaching is, how savvy right. the coaching is. And that speaks to the last point I just made with regard to Shermer and Shula. Perfectly said. I, I was going to point to the Minnesota game. They got The Broncos got out to a big lead, and coaching was the reason they lost that game. They, got, they played scared. They played not to lose. And when defense is adjusted, Drew Locke, because they will, that happens with every young quarterback, Mahomes included, but when defense is adjust, it is up to Pat Shermer to find a way to scheme around that, to use Melvin Gordon, Phillip Lindsay, use the weapons around him. It starts being a little less on Drew Locke and more on the coaching because coaching, Chad, when it comes down to it, it is all about that. Amen, brother. Well said. I'm just pulling up here in the stream. I My stream side just did a big jump on me real quick. I'm just getting back to the top. Uh, James is answering a question, I think, from Justin. The NFL loosened helmet restrictions, so it could pave the way for a throwback uniform as it should look. doesn't look right in Navy. Current uniforms showing their age could change in a new era. So it will be interesting to see with the NFL loosening up a little bit how that could affect what uniforms the Broncos end up deploying on uh, on Sundays. Justin says, I totally dig the nickname. Maybe I'll rock it. You like J-Bone, huh? Okay, that's good. <laughs> that's good. All right, let me see here. Bear with me one second. Thank you. Chris jumping in with a $5 super. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate you, Chris. He says, hey, just got off work. Shout out to my mom. Happy birthday. Tap that like button like Peyton tapping butt or butts. <laughs> like Peyton tapping putts in. Over out of the gutter, brain. Chad. Get your mind out. By the way, Chris, does your mom listen to the show? And if so, tell us her name and we'll give her a shout out. Happy birthday to Regardless, you. Regardless, yes. Happy birthday. birthday. Um, very cool. I am just really quick. Thank you. John jumping in. $10 super. Thank you. John, John. it's good to see you, my friend. If I'm not mistaken, you're over the road, right? Truck driver. So kind of hit and miss when you can be in the stream, but it's good to have you. And we we're grateful for that. Uh, super. My friend he says, aha, I caught you guys live slept through Kansas city. I'll be driving an hour. By the way, I'm from Denver, but I live in Georgia. Can't wait to see Drew play this year along with KJ Hamler and Jerry Judy. A lot of listeners. We have a lot of listeners and many of which I'm not going to betray anybody, but many names that you all know quite well that live in Georgia. Very interesting. John, that's cool, man. Hope you stay safe uh, driving that truck, and we appreciate you keeping that supply chain flowing. We're glad you're out of Kansas City as well. Yes. The hardest Amen part, though. Amen to that. All right, really quick, just so I have a linear wow. uh, idea of where we're at. Goodness gracious. 
Poppy jumping in with a very symbolic super that's that's highly symbolic and also very, very generous. That's we amazing. really appreciate Thank you. Thank you so much, Poppy. My friend. She says, I'm late tonight, just home from work. Enjoy the pod driving back home. Thank you for the great pod, something I look forward to every day. Thank you again. Love, MHH family. Very sweet, very well said, and yeah. uh, it's really cool to know how people weave the show, our podcast, into their lives and you all know full well by now how much we weave you guys into our lives. So very, very kind and, and yeah. just blows us away, Poppy. Literally, yeah. It's uh, it's uh, pretty breathtaking to see you, Shad. In these times right now especially, we have so much appreciation and gratitude. Thank you all. Thank you, Poppy. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in with us tonight. Every commenter, every donator, it doesn't go unnoticed. We appreciate you. Absolutely. All right. Where are we at? Chris, in the house. Really appreciate that. Very generous wow. donation, so my friend. About it. Thank you, Chris. And it's good to have you in the in the chat. A lot more lately. You kind of went for a spell there where we were missing you, and, and now you've been back in the saddle. So I speak for all of us here that it's good to have you, my friend. Really appreciate you. Um, we're sitting here at 56 minutes. We got time for just a few more. And, gang, if we missed one of your questions tonight, hold on to it because we will be back in the saddle tomorrow night, and we are going to be rocking the Mile High Mailbag. It's going to be right. awesome. Uh, Jordan rocking the MHH face mask like a true OG saying Brandon Allen was a very limited decision maker. He, he always threw it to his first read. I think the Minnesota loss was more of a combo of Allen's limited decision making and coaching. You're probably right in that in terms of the way the offense just stuttered to a halt in the second half. But Kareem Jackson would also be the first one to tell you, in fact, to use his verbiage, the defense, especially in the secondary, lost its mind. Like they just forgot how to play football in that second half and allowed Kirk Cousins and that talented Vikings offense of 2019 to just storm back. But the Broncos knew what they had in Brandon Allen at that point. Why not scheme around that? You know, run the ball, kill the clock, play better defense. That was a Fangio, you know, disaster too, letting Kirk Cousins back in that game. I'm not putting it all on Brandon Allen because when he won that Browns game, Shad, we were all celebrating him. It was such a breath of fresh air after Joe Flacco. Brandon Allen is what he is, but even then, it was an upgrade on what was for Denver. Well said. And Ben here is clarifying. My comment was referencing signing a backup tackle at a reasonable price. I think Jason Peters is too expensive and the Broncos seem dead set on giving him one more chance, meaning bowls. So, yeah, I mean, it just, it really just comes down to two points, the health of Juwan James and the uh, situation with bowls. If bowls takes the jump, it's a moot issue, but the problem is, and I don't envy the Broncos on this, this is why I think they need to hedge you're not going to know if Bowles really makes that jump until you get into the dog days of the season. Like you got to get into September football at the soonest, probably October before you really have a beat on did Garrett Bowles was the last few games of last season for real. Did he turn a corner? Was it an illusion? Was it fool's gold? And that's why I think they'd be wise to just bite the bullet, spend the money now, even if it's not on Jason Peters, who wants a lot of money, wants a starting opportunity even if it's on someone else, get another body in there. Because even if Elijah Wilkinson was healthy right now, Zach, but he's not, he leaves a lot to be desired. Like he's a, he's a solid interior guy, solid backup, valuable in that sense, but not a guy you want starting out on the edge. 
I wouldn't leave it till September. I mean, why chance it? And by then, all the good tackles could be gone. And then you're left with what? Then you're left with the Jake Rogers of the world. Then you're in the same position you are in now. I, I mean, Garrett Bowles has done nothing, Chad, the last three years and the last half of last season included to earn the benefit of the doubt that he's going to suddenly turn a corner. If he demonstrates that over a full 16-game season, he'll earn a new contract. But the Broncos can't wait until the season starts to have his backup in place. Regardless of who it is, they have to bring in someone. Looks like we missed a super from Dave, our man DK. Give me one second. I'm going to throw her in here on a on one of our little lower third banners. Bear with me one second, gang, and then we'll grab David's question, which is very appropriate for Zach here, and then we will bounce on out for tonight. Here's David. Appreciate that super chat. Thank you, David. Friend. Since Zach follows the Cowboys, covers the Cowboys, do you see Jerry re-signing Dak Prescott, or is he going to be a free agent? What? How do? You, how's that unfolding? I, I mean, he he might play this season on the franchise tag, which is about thirty-two million dollars. But I still think that deadlines make deals, and Ju- July fifteenth is a deadline. And the way the Cowboys operate, they let it to the last minute. So I had to give you an answer right now. I do think Dak signs a multi-year extension. It just won't be the forty million dollars per year. It might not even be thirty-five per year. But he's going to be put in that Jared Goff. You know, second highest paid quarterback overall range. So I do believe he will get his contract by July. This is really cool from Mile High Beauty. Drew Locke has Elway and Peyton in his own backyard if he has any questions. Point. Exactly. What do you need from Joe Flacco? I mean, even last year, you got John Elway's right upstairs. He's not a coach, but you know, he makes himself available, especially to the to the quarterbacks. And as we know, Peyton is one phone call away from a rendezvous or a conversation or whatever. And I think that, honestly, this is the last thing I'll say on that topic, and then we'll wind it down for today, Zach, is what Drew Locke had to say on the, on the Zap podcast about Joe Flacco's, it's not my job comment and all that. At the end of the day, I think a lot of that has to do, it's, it's a very Peyton-like response. It's a very yeah. mature, um, introspective, PRE type of, of response. And if anything, it's encouraging. It tells you that Drew Locke has a very – he's got a good head on his shoulders. Anything that that Locke can absorb from Peyton Manning will benefit him in his career off the field or on the field. What would he learn from picking Joe Flacco's brain? Literally, a- answer me in the comments if you think he would learn anything from Joe Flacco that he couldn't learn from Elway or Manning or anyone else that he reaches out to. The answer is nothing. Did we miss one from Justin? Hold on. Let me see. Let me check. Let me double check, J-Bone. Far be it from us. We don't want to skip any of our superstars since we're winding it down here. It won't hurt to do a quick once back over. Make sure I didn't skip anybody here. Got Justin Ansel. Got Justin Statler. Not paid to mentor. Got that one. I think we got you, bro, unless it's just not showing in the in the back-end analytics. I think – we got you, my friend. And if we missed it, just reach out and we will uh, absolutely cover it. Brian's showing some love right at the end here. Thank Appreciate you, the super. He says, Dak isn't worth the money. You know, Zach, I know you've come to have a lot more respect for Dak's game since you've covered him for a season. But I tend to agree that, you know, in terms of a vacuum, is he worth the money? No. But in today's day and age of the NFL, right. it's the going rate for a competent franchise caliber guy. Now you can argue, is Dak Prescott truly a franchise guy? I think he is. 
I think he's done a lot for that club. He's outkicked his coverage as a what was he a third round pick? Fourth, you know, fourth round pick. Yeah. Um, so, do you like paying that kind of money to a guy who hasn't done anything yet, basically in terms of winning and playoff games and all that stuff? You you don't love doing that, but Zach, it's basically the the cost of getting into the dance. It's the cost of doing business. It's market value. Do you think Juwan James was a $51 million tackle? No, but that was what market value was for a starting capable right tackle like Juwan James. Dak Prescott, I'm a bigger fan of Prescott than most others. People think he's trash. They want Andy Dalton to replace him in Dallas, which doesn't make sense to me. I happen to think he's a really good quarterback. I mean, he was second in the NFL in passing yards. He's, he had Jason Garrett as his head coach his entire career. That's like having Vance Joseph on the offensive side being your head coach. It's not a good situation. I think with Mike McCarthy this year, Dak will show up. He'll win some playoff games. And really, if he signs that deal, earn his money. All right, gang, we got to get out of here for tonight. Thank you so much for joining us and participating in this conversation. It's good, as always, to talk with you. Let's make sure you know how to connect with us on social media. Follow the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. And while you're at it, at MileHighHuddle, the main account. Also, my partner can be found on Twitter, at KelbermanNFL, and myself, at Chad and Jensen. Just a reminder, guys, make sure you're subscribing on YouTube. Don't forget to like this video. Share it if you like what we're doing here. It really means a lot to us. And it's a mile-high salute to our Super Chat superstars. You know we love you guys. Excuse me. And uh, Brian, real quick, if they cut him and roll with Dalton, what other team is going to pay him that? A lot. That's That's a good question. I think there will probably end up being some kind of a bidding war because that's, again, that's just the price of doing business in today's NFL. But, gang, that's got to do it for tonight. So we'll be back in the saddle, excuse me, tomorrow night, 615 Mountain, 815 Eastern for our favorite podcast of the week, the Mile High Mailbag. So, Zach, have a great rest of your night, my friend. We'll talk again tomorrow. You too as well, and uh, I can't wait for the mailbag tomorrow night. Anyone who has your questions, save them for tomorrow, and we can't wait to dive in. All right, guys, we love you. For Zach, I'm Chad. We'll talk to you tomorrow. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. 
Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.